Well, good morning. So good to see all of your pretty faces today. And good morning to those of you who are watching online, enjoying this rainy weather at home in your pajamas. We also all wore our pajamas today, but you can't see that. So we're glad that you're all here today. Hey, um, I've, uh, I've been checking out this apple, and I've been absolutely fascinated by it. And I do have to give you a disclaimer. It may be because of the sinus medicine that I've been taking all week that has enhanced my, uh, my view of this apple a little bit. But as I look at it, it's amazing. I mean, do you guys realize where this apple came from? Half of you are thinking H-E-B, and the other half of you are thinking a tree. And those of you who are thinking a tree, you're, you're on the right path. That's where H-E-B got it from in the first place. But to think that this very thing came from the seed that's inside of there, and then was planted in the ground and grew into a tree, and uh, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, demean your understanding of science here, but today's going to be pretty basic to to realize that this seed inside of this apple could produce a tree that produces fruit over and over and over again. And this, this fruit can bring sustenance to us. It, it, can, it can feed us. I mean, it just, it defies logic to me that something so amazing can happen with light and water and photosynthesis and all those things that happen within the scientific realm to produce this over and over. To me, that's mind-blowing. As we talk about being rooted and we talk about where our roots are and the legacy that our lives are going to leave, I want my life to leave something. I want my faith to make a difference. I want my faith to produce something that makes a difference in the lives of other people. And I want the legacy of this church to be something that's rooted in God to where it truly produces something. And the Bible talks a lot about this, about fruit, right? About what our lives produce. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, people talk about different kinds of trees generally. And I just go, it's a tree, man. I don't, I don't know if that's an oak or an elm. Generally, I can tell the difference between a pine tree, I guess, and a lot of trees. But for the most part, I can't tell the difference between most trees. But you guys were here a few weeks ago, I told you that uh, my father, he was a rancher, but he also had a pecan orchard. So I am the son of a nut farmer. And if you ever get frustrated with me and you want to use one of those words that just makes you feel better to call me a name, but you don't really say anything bad, so you don't have to feel guilty about it, you can always just call me a son of a nut farmer. All right. <laughs> I don't take offense to it and you feel better for getting it off your chest. Just call me the son of a nut farmer. All right. I can recognize a pecan tree because I grew up around pecan trees. And so I can see one from a way down the road and go, I know that's a pecan tree, right? Even though to most of you, probably trees look the same. Generally, they do to me. But I'm going to prove to you, I can tell the difference. Okay, we got some random trees here. No, that one is not, uh, no, probably not a pecan tree. Let me take a look at the next one. Oh, I don't think that one is a pecan tree. Let's, let's have a look at one. Definitely a pecan tree. Now, I know you guys are pretty amazed and thinking, Adam, you should be on America's Got Talent with uh, skills like that to be able to recognize trees just like that. I'm going to let you in on my secret. Do you know how I knew which one was a pecan tree? The one that had the pecans on it, right? I mean, duh, we can tell that, right? 
you can tell what kind of tree it is by the fruit that it produces. That's where we're going today. The way that our lives leave a legacy is by the fruit that they are going to produce. The fruit of our life, the fruit our life produces is the evidence of what kind of life that we are living. Now, I do want to throw in a little side note here. What I'm not saying is if you're rich, if your kids seem like they're perfect, if you just keep getting promotions at work and business deals just seem to fall into your lap, well, that must mean that God really favors you. And for those of you who have kids who struggle and you've lost a few jobs and things haven't gone well for you, well, God must be displeased with you because that's not how it works. And we can look at those things, but those aren't truly the fruit because we could all look at people in our culture that have money and have what society would say is success, but it doesn't equal satisfaction in their lives, right? We've seen people who have it all who end their life because life just wasn't satisfying. Reminds me of Solomon in the Old Testament who basically says, I've tried everything and it didn't satisfy. Only the Lord can satisfy. This generation is full of people who have obtained every piece of fruit that the world says will satisfy, but it hasn't satisfied them. And yet we could also look at people. Exhibit A is our Honduras trip that we go on every year where we've got people who have nothing yet they are so full of joy and so full of the presence of God. You know people like that, I would imagine, in your life. People who have been through difficult circumstances in life that you would think, I don't know how I could make it through that, but yet they are full of the joy of the Lord and full of faith. They have fruit within their lives. These are people who have found something that is truly greater than what our culture defines as success, defines as valuable, right? You know, in some cultures in the world, it is looked on with great respect if you're pale and you're a little bit fluffy, right? People look at that and go, wow, you must be so successful you can stay inside and eat all the time, right? I mean, really, that's how their culture looks at people of said stature, right? And some of you are thinking, I'd like to move to that country, right? I'm just saying that there are intangibles that we all understand are more important than what our culture from one generation to the next might say that is truly what success is. That is truly what value is. We mentioned Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 13 last week and he describes all these things that are successful. All these things that are great, truly. I mean, if I have power, if I can explain things to you, but if I don't have love... I don't have anything. And Paul is getting at, if you want the most important thing, if you want to truly be able to pass on a legacy, we have to get to what is really most important, that money can't buy, that effort can't earn, that education can't obtain, that power will never provide in your life. Something even greater than that. Actually, Paul finishes that chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 and verses 12 and 13. He says this, he's talking about our perspective. Now we see things imperfectly, like uh, puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. And that I know, all that I know now 
is impartial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things that will last forever. Here's the intangibles. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Fruit that we want to see in our lives. That we want our lives to be able to produce. Faith, hope, and love. And let's start with the very most important thing that we've seen Jesus emphasizing over and over. It's love. You'll hear us talk all the time around here that we are here to love God and love others, help people find and follow Jesus. The most important of all of these, the very most important thing that my life can produce is love. We've talked about when I love God, it automatically means that I should be loving others. The result of the way that we are living our lives If it's not producing love, we're doing it wrong. If that's not the byproduct of the way that we're living our lives, something in our lives is out of order. Love is the ultimate fruit that our lives should produce. It says in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is saying, much like my keen ability to be able to identify trees, we should be able to identify people in the same way because we should see this characteristic. We should see this fruit within them. It says in verse 16, you can identify them, people, by their fruit. That is by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from a thistle? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. So Jesus says, I'm going to make this really simple for you guys here. Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. What kind of fruit is your life going to produce? He goes on in verse 20 to say this. Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit. So you can identify people by their actions. Remember when he told us, we talked about, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Jesus says the fruit that your life produces is the proof of the life that you are living. Are we loving God and loving others? What is the fruit of our church? What is the fruit of your family, of your life, of your life as an individual? What is the fruit of my life? What is it producing? I want our church, as I speak to us as a whole, I want us to truly produce something. We're going to produce something. He says, good fruit, from a good tree, bad fruit from a bad tree. I don't want to be a church that we can look back and say, well, all we produced was a bunch of bitterness. All we produced was a bunch of gossip. All we produced was a bunch of just getting together, singing some songs, and then we went back and we never changed our lives. I want people to be able to look at us, and I want us to be able to look at ourselves and say, the fruit that I see of us gathering together is we see the love of God in one another. We see the love of God in the way that we serve the community and those around us. What will be the fruit that comes from our lives? So then the question really is, how can we make sure that we're producing the right fruit, right? Because if it's good tree, good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit, I would say we all probably want to be on that good tree, right? We want to be producing good tree, good fruit in our lives. 
And the question there really is, which branch, which tree is your branch growing on? If your life represents a branch that's connected to a tree, is your branch connected to that good tree or is it connected to the bad tree that's producing bad fruit? And so we, Jesus has kind of given us this, this visual, right? This metaphor of trees and fruit. And he does this in another way where he talks about vines and branches. And I don't know about you guys, but when I think of vines, I think of even smaller than branches, right? But he's using it in another sense, more like a, if you could picture it like this, grapes growing on a vine. I think we have a picture here from a vineyard, right? And so he's talking, when he talks about the vine and the branches, the vine is the trunk. The vine is the tree. And he's going to say that you are the branches that are growing from those roots in that tree. He talks about this in John chapter 15. He says this, this is Jesus talking, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And that's a whole other topic right there. But if you've gone through times in your life where you feel like, God, I feel like I'm doing everything right, but it's still not, everything's not coming together. Sometimes even in the midst of doing things right, God is pruning so that he can get you to that ultimate place where your life will bear the very most fruit. We don't like pruning though, it's hard. He goes on in verse 5 to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so again, he makes it really simple here. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you want your life to bear that good fruit, what does he say you need to do? You need to, you need to be in church every week. You have to read X amount in your Bible. You have to memorize all these scriptures. No, he simply says, remain in me. And now that certainly could apply to being in church and reading your scripture and those things. But he says, here's all I'm asking you to do. I want you to remain in me. Now, I'm no arborist, but if you were to cut a branch off of a tree and separate it from the trunk, separate it from the vine, and throw it on the ground, it is not going to produce any fruit. It is going to wither up and die. And that's also what Jesus is telling us here. That if we're separated from the vine, we cannot produce the fruit that God calls us to produce. But this is even more than just a metaphor Jesus is giving us instructions here in this metaphor. He goes on in verse 11 and says this, I have told you this so that my joy in you and that I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life For his own friends. So Jesus is saying, I have told you to remain in me and connected to me so that you can produce fruit. But here's the fruit that your life is going to produce the joy of God is going to fill your life. He is joyful over you, and you are filled with his joy. And then what does it lead us to do? What we've seen over and over and over again, so that you can love others. As we love God, it produces a life in us that causes us to love 
each other to the point where we would even lay our lives down for one another. If our life is connected to Christ, it produces fruit. But if we're real honest, it's easy in our lives to connect to everything but Christ, right? Even if we're following after Christ. I don't know about you guys, but I get up and I try to spend time with the Lord. And the next thing you know, what, why am I looking through Facebook? You know, I mean, you just catch, catch yourself distracted, right? I, I go to pray and I'm, I'm thinking about how good breakfast is going to be, you know? I'm guilty of that. I don't know about you guys, but I can be guilty of those things where it's so easy. I know I should connect to God, but I get connected to so many other things that can distract me from his presence. But the truth is, the good fruit that our lives produce is the result of being connected to Jesus. The good fruit of our lives is the result of being connected to Jesus. If he is the vine and we are the branch, then the more we are connected to him, the more likely our lives are to produce fruit, right? Because when a branch, scientifically speaking, is connected to the tree, the life of that tree flows into that branch, right? Taking the nutrients from the soil and the water and the the photosynthesis that happens up through the leaves and everything flows into that branch, then producing fruit. Now, can that branch on its own produce the fruit? Can it will it out and say, I want to produce 20 apples today? Of course not. All it can do is remain connected to the vine and let the vine produce fruit through its life. What is that fruit exactly? It's not apples. You know, I hope you're not disappointed by that. But it does, the Bible does spell it out for us very clearly. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says this, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. As we stay connected to the vine, stay connected to Jesus, loving God, then our life produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are fruits that come out of our lives, just overflow out of us. We don't have to try to make them happen. As we love God, He enables us to love others. Now, one thing that I find particularly interesting about these fruits that we see listed here as it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is they're all horizontal. They all have to do with how my life interacts with you. How God working within me from the inside should influence how I see you, how I see others, and how I love others. Because I'm connected to God, love should be flowing out of my life. Joy should be flowing out of my life. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control should just be flowing out of our lives in the way that we treat one another. So in other words, to be spiritual, to be filled with the Spirit of God means that we should be overflowing with these things right here. That's what true spirituality 
looks like. True spirituality really comes down to how well do you love other people. Not how much do we know, not how much are we educated. Now, it's good to memorize scripture. It's good to read your Bible. But those things are not the evidence of true spirituality. True spirituality, the evidence of it, is how well do I love people. Now, you guys see me up here on Sunday mornings. This is not spirituality. This is not the evidence of how well I love God. This is preparation. You guys could do this too. If you had time during the week, you could put together your message. You could get up here, get over your fear of public speaking. You could get up here and do the same thing. And I hope that this is influenced by my connection to God. But this is not the evidence of loving God. The way I love others is the evidence of how I love God. And the same is true for all of you. I read a quote by Andy Stanley that I really liked. It said, don't be fooled by the man or woman who knows a lot but does not love a lot. As I look at the fruit that I want my life to produce and that I hope that our church produces as it produces godliness, I hope that it is characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I hope that that is what it looks like. I hope that that is the true godliness that people see within us. I want that to be my legacy and the legacy of our church. Now, growing up as the son of a nut farmer, there was one particular thing that my dad did that absolutely fascinated me uh, out of all the things that he did in the orchard. I mean, there were, you know, just mundane times of cleaning up the orchard. And there were the times when he had to prune so that they could produce more fruit. And then there was harvest time, which could be kind of fascinating because he had this machine that would shake the tree like an earthquake and all the pecans would fall off and then we'd collect them all. But there was one thing above everything else that absolutely fascinated me. And that is when a tree wasn't doing so good. When a branch, a storm came through and broke some branches off or damaged a tree in some sort of way or even sometimes after pruning. And my father would do this thing with a broken branch that he would still see so much life within because my father could look at a branch and though it had broken off, had been damaged and was laying on the ground, he could see that that branch still had much life and potential and fruit left within it. And then he would do this amazing thing called grafting. And some of you may be familiar with this. But he would tend to the branches. I think we've got a few pictures here. So here's some trees that have had to be pruned back or they, because they've been damaged or part of the tree died, the branches died for whatever reason. But these, true, these trees have been pretty severely pruned, right? There's not much left of them. And then after that, he would take a branch that still had potential and still had life, and he would splice it into the trunk, into the vine, right? And then he would carefully tend to it and treat it as it need, needed to be treated until eventually, here in the last picture, these branches could be fully restored and brought back to life. What once was going to be fruitless and ruined and destroyed. My father was able to whittle it back into a tree and wrap it up and tend to it and bring a branch and a tree 
back to life. And I found that absolutely amazing. Now, I don't know where you are right now. But if you were to look at your life and I'm to evaluate my life, I think we could all easily go, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I don't do so well on all of those. Maybe there's some of those you go, okay, you know, I'm a five on that one. I'm a two on that one. You may look at your life and go, yeah, there's a lot of things that I've messed up. There's a lot of places in my life where I've been broken. I can look at my life and see where I've been separated from the source of life. I've been separated from the vine. And I can see the damage that it's caused me. If I'm to look at my life and say good fruit or bad fruit, and I'm going to evaluate my life, I don't know which one I'd say I I fall on. The good news is, So we serve a God who can take a broken branch and he can splice it right back into a tree. The truth is every one of us are sinners. Every one of us have produced some rotten apples in our lives. Some of us have produced a whole orchard of rotten apples, right? But the good news is God can take you in your broken state because we've all fallen short of the glory of God and he can take us and he can splice us right back into that tree of life and wrap us up and care for our needs to the place where one day we can be leaving that legacy where we are producing fruit. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. But God can take that broken branch. He can do that for our lives. It says this in Romans chapter 11, reading from the message, verse 16. Behind and underneath all this, there is holy God-planted, God-tended root. If the primary root of the tree is holy, there is bound to be some holy fruit. Some of the tree's branches were pruned, and you wild olive shoots were grafted in. No matter where your life has ended up and what kind of fruit you may have produced up to this point, he's saying the tree itself is holy. The roots are holy. The vine is holy. And he can take the wild olive roots. He can take us and he can put us onto that tree. He goes on in verse 24 to say, why if he could graft you branches cut from a tree in the wild into an orchard tree, He certainly isn't going to have any trouble grafting branches back into the tree that grew from it in the first place. Just be glad you're in the tree and hope for the best for others. And he's talking to two groups of people here. He's talking to people who have grown up in the faith and he's talking to people who have never known God at all. And he's saying he can take the people who have never known God at all And he can graft them into the tree to produce fruit. And he can take those of you who have walked with God, but your life has not produced fruit. And he can put you into a place where your life is now going to produce fruit. The evidence of our faith is the way we love other people. And it is shown through the fruit in our lives. What kind of fruit is your life producing? It's not too late for your life to bear fruit. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you 
for your presence, for your kindness, for your goodness that never gives up on us. And Father, that you can take a broken branch and you can graft us into that tree of life. Father, help our lives to produce fruit. And Father, may that be the way that we love others around us. Father, every opportunity you get, Father, may love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control flow out of our lives. Father, today I pray for those who need to come back to you, or maybe, Father, those who have been out in the wild but need to come to you in the first place. Would you take just a minute and ask God to be your everything today? Lord, I thank you that you sent Jesus for us to take our place that we might be yours. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins, wiping away our past and giving us a hope for a future of what you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.